Welcome to Ellis Talker, season three. Uh, three years of doing this and and, and getting out some uh, good guests for this uh, election season coming up. But today, uh, before I get into all of it, I wanted to go ahead and talk about the new cigar lounge that we have in Waxahachie at 405 West Madison at the Railport. It's right next to Railport. It is Latitude Cigar. Um, you know, there's been a lot. I love a good cigar. And, and now we have that available in our in our county. And I hope that you guys will go and support the cause. Latitude Cigar, Latitude Cigar. And let them know DV LeBron sent you. So today I have very special guests, as I like to say. I have Miss Ann Montgomery and Mr. Jeff Bullock, who are uh, our Ellis County District Attorney and her chief of misdemeanors. Uh, came on to talk about the Veterans Court and more. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing well. Thanks, Stevie. Yeah, we're well, doing great. Th thank you so much for coming on. Sure. So, um, you know, we've been talking about this and we got a vote last year and, and we've been, we had on our interview, we talked about this with uh, Judge Wallace and about getting this Veterans Court established. And uh, before I go into the, that stuff, I wanted to ask you, um, if you could tell the audience what is a veterans court, and either one of you could jump in on this. Right. A veterans treatment court is established um, in our statute that allows us to have a program that if a veteran comes back from having served our country and gets into some trouble, um, and if he has um, the... Um, you know, Jeff could probably talk to, uh, it just went through my mind. Um, it, if he's got a condition that's relating to his service for our country, then we're able to divert them through a, a special program specifically designed for veterans. Wow. Um, and, that That's pretty cool. And, and what kind of, like when they, Jeff, when they get through this program, and I mean, is it, is it a, a slap on the hand and hey, you know, never do this again? Is it intensive? So it's, it's one of the more intensive specialty programs that exists. Uh, the reason for that is the men and women who are eligible for the program have a mental disease or defect that they accrued, as Ms. Montgomery said, while they're serving our country in the armed forces. And uh, DV, I, this is something that you're probably familiar with, you know, having been in our armed forces, that is, that is nothing uh, to laugh at. That is nothing you get a slap on the wrist for. These, these are some people who seriously need our help to reintegrate back into society. So it is definitely an intensive program. The VA, the Veterans Affairs Office is involved. Our local Veterans Justice Administration is involved. So it, it is very intensive. And, and that's good because it, while it is an unfortunate situation, um, it definitely, there has to be a lesson learned. And we understand that as, uh, as folks that have been in the military, we understand that accountability is, is very important. So um, where are we now where, where, as far as implementing, implementing this? And, you know, I know that we were trying to, we had a vote in the Ellis County Commissioner Court on funding. So talk to me what happened next. Well, we've, we've done a few things. The Commissioner's Court gave us the authority to go out for a grant um, through the Texas Veterans Commission um, that would help fund the program through having a um, veterans coordinator um, that would work with everybody that went through the system. Um, so we did that. Um, we The commissioners approved that. Um, Mr. Bullock helped um, draft, actually he drafted the grant application um, that would be everything down to the floor mats for this coordinator. 
um, that would get them up for a year. Um, so we applied, I think the deadline, Jeff can correct me, was November maybe. Uh, and so um, we went ahead and we have drafted that grant and we have applied for it. Um, so we've had conversations with um, the VA um, so that, um, and we've had WebExes so that whenever we start the program, they will be at every veterans court assisting in any capacity with services. Um, so right now where we are is we're still having a few things. We have also gone back to court and before we applied for the grant and had Judge Wallace of the 378th appointed as the veterans treatment judge. So all of the cases will go to him. Um, that was another step that we had to take in the process. Um, then at this point, we're waiting on the grant um, it will probably be May until we hear um, whether or not we receive that grant. Um, and we're still having communications right now with uh, the VA, um, with our local veteran services, and now with community supervision so that we can see, um, we can go ahead and accept people into our program and go forward. Um what is the role? No, no, that's fine. And it's very, it's very uh, intensive. And I want the viewers to know that. Well, so Mr. Bullock did most of that. So I want to give the credit um, to him. Um, I told him I needed this done and he ran with it. Um, so um, he's the one who did all of the, um, how much does a computer cost? How much was it? How much is this a desk cost? How much he did all of that um, so that we were able to get his, the best statistics that we could going down to Austin. So um, since you did all that, I'm going to go ahead and ask you the details. What what role does the VA play in that? What role does, because I, I talked with, um, I had Mr. Palladino, who at the time was the head of the Texas Veterans Commission, and talk about the, the Veterans Court and stuff and what they do. So uh, you're coordinating, I imagine, Texas Veterans and the VA, and, and what roles are they playing in this? So the uh, VA plays a huge role in the success of a veterans treatment court. Uh, they have what they refer to as veterans justice outreach specialists who specialize in working with coordinated specialty programs to get veterans connected with those services that would be most helpful to them. Many times the services that would be available to somebody who's just say on regular probation wouldn't be appropriate or helpful for someone who's going through a veterans treatment court because there is that nexus between active service and the offense committed. So the active service caused a mental disease or defect, which caused the offense to be committed. And that requires specialized services to help that veteran work through that. So um, we have been working with that veterans justice outreach specialist who's coordinated to our district. And she's been helping us um, with letting us know what services are available through the VA. And she can also point us to people who would be perhaps good candidates for the program. She can't share specific information with us, but she can let those veterans know that the program's available when it's up and running. And one of the things that we've done is, you know, as Ms. Montgomery said, this was very important to her. She told me very early on, I want this to happen. This was something I promised the, the people of Ellis County was going to happen. And when the DA tells you to go, that's what you do, you go. And so I uh, started to create the program with her help and, and with her guidance. And then once it was created and once we had applied for the grant, we still wanted to be able to get the program going, even if the veterans, uh, the Texas Veterans Commission were to deny our grant application and choose another grant application. We still want to have it in place um, for um, 
for us to be able to move forward. So that's what we're working on right now is we're working on the applications, working on the specific documents that'll need to be filled out um, so people can start applying for the program. Um, and who decides or who decides who qualifies for which, which offenses uh, uh, qualify for this treatment? Um, and, 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 you know, what do you see as far, what do you envision this covering? That's our office. Um, we, for, for lack of a better word, um, my office would be the gatekeeper. Um, but what I envision is alcohol offenses, um, drug offenses, um, possibly some um, misdemeanor assaults. Um, I have a more of a difficult time, and Mr. Bullock knows this, with the, the aggravated offenses that are very violent. Um, those would have to be run by me. Um, and I think that most of what we will probably see will be those misdemeanor criminal trespass, a simple assaults, uh, DWIs and, and drug offenses. Okay. And, and, and I, I, one of the things that I heard was you're going to have to have a, an actual therapist on staff or some kind of psychological staff. I'm not sure if that was correct. What I heard, is that true? And, and are you going to have to, what kind of staffing is this going to look like? We don't have to have that person on staff. The VA will be helping us provide those services to those veterans. Um, what we need on staff is a coordinator so that when people um, have been accepted into the program, they go on the court's docket and then that person's able then to track where that person is in the system and in the process. Um, but that would be assisting Judge Wallace um, in the process. Okay. And you know, that, that sounds like a, that sounds like an awesome gig right there. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about this, but I, I'm, I'm glad to, I'm glad that the judge is how, you know, I hope the, the judge is as happy as I am we're, that this program is getting going. I know he's been talking about it. How are you yes. doing judge? Um, so, so what, now that we know what, what certain crimes are going to be uh, covering and stuff like that and, and, and what kind of things are you, you going to allow? Um, what kind of like, what kind of, what would you like to see come out of this program? And, and, and more so, why were you a proponent of this? I was a, my dad was a veteran. Um, he served during the Korean War and was stationed in Japan. Um, so you can see his flag behind me. Um, so it's important to me because um, it, it was important. My, my father um, spoke very highly of his time that he served in the United States Air Force. Um, I, I went to a veterans treatment court in Tarrant County when I was running for office to see what it was about. And um, I had I was there for a graduation service. And one of the participants graduating, who was a female, looked at me and said, if you get elected this, you need to start this program. It saved my life. Um, and because of the route she was taking with drugs and I saw her husband with her and her young child with her. And so not only did it save her life, it probably saved the, the family structure that was there that night also. Um, and it moved me when I saw that. Um, and I said, this, this is something that we need to have in the county. Um, since I took office, we've had two people apply 
Um, we have transferred those two out to different counties. I think Tarrant County has both of them. Um, and because we didn't have the program up and running yet, um, I'm hoping once the program is up and running more, we will have more participants. Um, but we've only had two apply at this point that we were able to send to, to Tarrant County. And I, I know that, um, that there's a judge of, I believe, Collin County, he takes surrounding counties as well. Are, do yes. you envision that in your plan, uh, Ms. No. Montgomery? No, uh, because he has multiple counties. Um, he has Kaufman County, Collin County, and some, and it, it's a lot of counties together. Um, we have one judge here who has said that he wants to take those cases. And since he is here and has been willing to take those cases, um, then we don't have the need to have, um, you know, the, the roving judge to come in and do it like I believe it's Judge Roach, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, the so, Judge Roach. Yeah. So um, but our hope and our goal is that it's um, here and it's held by our judge who is elected here in Ellis County for our citizens. Jeff, you've had to do some of the legwork and, and actually go into this and look at this. So tell me, what have you seen as far as who is the successful candidate on this? And, and what, what are some of the good things you pulled out of the other programs that you'd like to see here? So like Ms. Montgomery said, one of the things that we see most often, especially with people who have been in our armed forces, is self-medication with either alcohol or drugs. Um, you know, the, the thing that I... I love about Ellis County and that I love about Ms. Montgomery's plan is that it is worth it to her if there are, let's say, four to five veterans in a year who need the Veterans Treatment Court or even less than that. It is worth it to her and it's worth it to our office. If we can help just one veteran uh, not be a part of the system and be reintegrated into society, that's what we're here to do. We are here to serve the people of Ellis County in as best a capacity as we can. And for some people who are veterans of our armed forces, this is the way we do that, is to provide them these services so that they do not stay in the system, that they go out and lead productive lives and are reintegrated into the community that they helped protect, defend, and build in the first place. That, that, is, that is awesome. So when do, you, uh, when do you believe that this will be up and running 100% ready to go, be able to offer? What's that timeline looking like right now? So right now, uh, as Ms. Montgomery said, we can take transfers to Tarrant County. The ultimate plan is to have the program here. I anticipate that by May of this year, we will have the full program application completed. And at that point, if all the parties are on board, and that would include community supervision, the Defense Bar, Veterans Affairs, the Texas Veterans Commission, and the 378th, if we're all on the same page, at that point, I can submit the rest of the plan to the Specialty Courts Administration in Austin for final approval. Oh, excellent, excellent. Um, we made, it's, it looks like you guys have made progress and I wanna tell you from the bottom of my heart as someone who's been totally about this, thank you. Um, I appreciate that. That that helps my brothers and sisters in arms, you know, that 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 uh, that went astray. And, and we know, we know how PTSD affects uh, different people. And while there's no excuses, there's nobody better to rise up for the challenge than a veteran to, to better themselves. So now I was going to kind of go into kind of the county stuff that's going on. Sure. Um, Jeff, if you'd like to stick around and help me with the misdemeanor part of it or, you know, that's fine. <laughs> I'd but, love to. <laughs> um, I, so 
there's been a lot of stuff in the news about what's going on in all these different cities and, and counties throughout the United States. The crime is up generally. Um, property crimes are up. Uh, I think there was a, a, a reduction in the murder rate, but I'm, I'm not positive. But there's a lot of things going on and drugs are flooding the street. And I know that that news can be a little bit dramatic. So I wanted you to go ahead and kind of clarify as far as what are you seeing about what are you seeing a rise in? What are you seeing a, a decrease in? What types of crimes? And and um, and, you know, is 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 are you seeing a lot more drug crime, sex trafficking? Just go ahead and give a crime rundown. Sure. Um, you know, I'm not going to say crimes increased in Ellis County necessarily because um, it, our population at the census has compared to what it is now has gone up 15.9%. We're at 192,000 in the county right now. So is crime going to have increased along with our population? Yes. Um, but that doesn't mean crime is out of control necessarily. Um, I, I, I like that you're hearing the, the homicide statistics have gone down. That's just not necessarily the way it is right now in Ellis County. Um, last year, we disposed of 13 homicide cases. Um, we tried two of those cases to a jury. Um, and what we did on those cases was 75, well, three convictions with 75 years, 44 years uh, on two other cases. Um, and we still have plenty to go behind it. Um, there's a lot of drug crime, um, DWIs, I would say, um, and I think Jeff would concur is pretty, is probably our most predominant misdemeanor case that we have. There's also a lot of um, crimes against children. Um, when it comes to human trafficking, um, I, I can't give you good statistics on that because a lot of times they're charged as um, sexual assaults or um, different crimes and it's not necessarily, quote, human trafficking. Um, so those are difficult statistics to track in our system because of that. You did mention about uh, sexual crimes, and I had Miss Dean from Ellis County Child Advocacy Center on uh, yes. last season, and we talked about some of the things that, and she's seen that there was a uh, because of the the COVID and that dynamic on on the lives of the people. There there was a lot of um, a lot of issues that arose with children. Um, did you see that? And on the misdemeanor side, did you see that a lot, uh, Jeff? Well, uh, uh, when it comes to the crimes against children, those will all be felonies. Um, and so um, the statistics on those, um, yeah, we have a lot of crimes against children. Has it increased? Um, during COVID, what happened was since the children weren't in school, um, those are our first responders. They're the people who are actually... Um, reporting that abuse um, to law enforcement. And so we didn't necessarily have that happening when the schools were shut down during COVID. Um, so of course, once kids got back into school, um, then we had those um, um, reporters, those mandatory reporters that were able to lay eyes on the kiddos and reports came in and, and there were more cases um, that were coming in um, as a result of that. And they, the, there was, there's been talk about property crimes. That would probably be closer to misdemeanors, some of them, uh, depending, oh. I, I guess, on the monetary value. Cause, so can you speak on that? Because, you know, there's the, online, there's mentions of, you know, hey, my car got broken into. I used to leave my keys all night. And, um, yeah, can you talk on that? Absolutely. So um, 
there there has been, as Miss Montgomery said, an increase in in these particular offenses as the population of Ellis County has increased. Honestly, one of the biggest misdemeanor increases we saw walks hand in hand with the crimes against children, which is domestic violence or intimate partner violence. Um, and it's sort of the same issue. They have, they obviously have their differences and distinctions. Crimes against children is more of a crime of secrecy and opportunity, and domestic violence is more of a crime of control. But they have the same avenue for uh, getting those things fixed, which is to find a safe reporter. And so just as the children who were being abused during COVID and, and the dynamic changing of them not having access to safe reporters, oftentimes, uh, I say women because most of the victims of our domestic violence cases are women, who would have had access to people that they could have reported their abuse to didn't have that access. So there is a, an increase, perhaps not in the number of cases, but in the number of reports that we've had from cases that would have come in had those that access been there before. Ms. Montgomery? What Mr. Bullock sees those coming in on a daily basis. Um, I just see statistics and numbers. I don't necessarily see the types of cases. Right. And so how do you choose which because there's a lot of discretion and you also have you don't have unlimited resources how do you choose which which cases you're going to pursue and which ones you have to kind of let uh go i don't i don't have a better way to word it but you know you get my point well, first of all, if it's a crime in the state of Texas, this office is going to prosecute it. Um, if the legislature decides they don't want me to prosecute, for instance, I'm just going to say marijuana, then they need to take that law off the books. Um, I, I'm not going to be a DA that says I'm going to selectively choose what I prosecute. Um, so if a case is investigated by a police agency, an arrest is made and they turn it in, then our office will look at it and determine whether or not the facts are present to go forward. Um, and if the facts are present, then we're going to go forward on the case. Um, I'm not going to pick and choose um, certain types of cases. And that's wonderful. That's been a trend. And that's why I asked that question. There's, yes. been, there's been some selective prosecutions throughout the country. And um, well, you know, I know that your position is an elected position. So it's kind of something that I, I wanted to go into. Uh, Jeff, this is the section where I get into the politics and probably should, uh, <laughs> should boot you, uh, go ahead and, and exit on this one. But you know what? Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate you coming on. And I hope that we can meet for coffee and talk more about this. Absolutely, DV. And you're 100% right. Politics is where I say goodbye. So All right. you take care, my friend. You too. Bye. So he's awesome. I like that. He's on it. So, you know, you, you yours is an elected office. And yes. so what do you what what do you measure as success in your in your line of work in, in your day to day? What do you measure success? Um, for me, when I came into this job, I said I, I wanted to get the Veterans Treatment Court up and going. I wanted to start a pretrial misdemeanor diversion program. I wanted to start a Citizens Prosecutor Academy to help educate the public as to exactly what we do here on a day-to-day -day basis. I've done all those things. Um, some of the things that I've also done um, and I, I measure success by is um, out of my 24 attorneys that are here on staff, I have five that are board certified. So I have five that have gone the extra mile, taken that extra test and have showed their um, competence in those areas um, of law that they've certified at. 
Um, I started a grand jury intake division that helps us get the felony cases through the system quicker so that we can get justice for those victims. And um, within the last month, um, the commissioner's court has chosen to award a bid to give me a different computer software system that I hope will make us more efficient um, and more effective going forward. Um, as I said, sometimes statistics are hard for me to pull, and I'm hoping this program will make that much easier. And and so you said that that crime hasn't necessarily it's been proportionate to to the to the um, to the growth of the population. So what would, if, because uh, I think you have an announcement um, and we're going to go into that, but you know, it, you, you've been at this for a few years now, I believe. And what changes have you seen from start to finish that in, 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 in our field, in your office, especially? Well, I took over at, a, at, a, at an interesting time um, because we were just still in the middle of COVID coming off of COVID. So when I took over in January of 2021, we were not having any jury trials at that time. Um, our jury trials did not start back until June of 2021. Um, so for me, um, I have to look at 2022 to get a full year's worth of statistics on what has my office done during this time. Um, and my office last year tried 40 jury trials. Um, 21 of those were felonies and 19 of those were misdemeanor cases. And that's a huge amount based on the staff that we have um, that we were able to try and dispose of. So we're trying to work through that backlog. Um, it's not going to happen overnight, um, but we're trying to work through that. Um, to help with that, the commissioner's court gave me three additional, um, well, actually two additional attorneys, uh, an investigator and a support staff to help me with that COVID backlog using the ARPA money from the federal government, um, which was specific to the COVID backlog. Um, so I haven't been able to hire all the positions that I have open. Um, uh, the field of prosecution right now is, um, it, it's not as popular as what it used to be to go into. Um, for one position in years past, we might get a hundred applications. Now we might get three or four. Um, so it, it is a little bit different right now in our in our profession, but we're filling the slots just as quickly as we can. And uh, right now, what I have open is one felony attorney and two misdemeanor attorney positions. Um, so we're working on trying to fill those positions. So it's a little bit different um, than what it was um, 10 years ago in this profession. Yes, it's it. There has been a marked change in our profession. Now, um, what do you see as your biggest challenge going forward? My biggest challenge going forward right now is the new computer system, because we will have the conversion process of the system that we currently have. I don't want to lose that data um, because it's very important. And so we'll be working with our new software system to convert all that data so that we have it and then learning the new system and putting processes in place with the new system um, that will help streamline um, the office because we might have to change things. Maybe support staff doesn't have to do as much as they used to, and they can take up some of the duties and responsibilities that the attorneys are doing now um, to free up my attorneys to have more time in court. Um, so I think my biggest um, hurdle right now is that computer software system. Um, 
I'm ex we are excited about it. Jeff was part of that. Um, my team that looked into all of the systems and um, through the bid process. Um, I had six people going through that process with me, um, some of my leadership team. And, um, you know, when it was all said and done, we, we chose this group um, out of South Carolina. And um, I'm op I am optimistic. It's a little scary um, anytime you're talking about computers, but um, I'm hoping that this will really help us and streamline, especially with the discovery process. Um, one of the things the defense bar has said is they want the e they want the way to get the documents through the discovery process to include videos without having to come into my office. And that just isn't possible right now. Um, law enforcement wants the ability to upload information to the cloud and me to download that. That's not possible right now. Um, I have law enforcement bringing me over big stacks of paper. Uh, right. So um, that then has to be scanned in by my support staff for the attorneys into our current system. So I'm hoping um, this system will um, just make us more efficient um, going forward to where we don't have to have all that duplicative work that right. we seem to have to have right now. So I got two questions before I give you the mic to talk to the people of Ellis County. Sure. And uh, one of them is how there's there's several law enforcement. There's a lot of law enforcement entities with it within the county. Yes. How important is it? How important is your relationship with them? What would you say your relationship is with them? And, and how is that important in, in in prosecuting crime? I think our relationship right now is fantastic with law enforcement. Um, when I took office, what we have now is um, my first assistant and I pretty much are on call 24-7. Um, if law enforcement needs us at a crime scene to answer questions, then they're able to pick up the phone and call usually my first assistant or me, and we're able to be there as an assist if, the, if it's necessary. Um, so I, I think right now our relationship with law enforcement is really really good and it's very important going forward having that relationship with law enforcement we are here as a resource to them um and i think everybody knows that and that, that's good so last question before i give you the mic sure. uh, what what does and there's been a lot of talk about this we've had we have uh, within our change in law enforcement in the last few years what does criminal justice reform look like to you miss montgomery um, you know, criminal justice reform, I, I, I don't really know that I can answer that. Um, you know, one of the things that we're doing here is, you know, the Veterans Treatment Court is a diversion program. Um, my pre-child diversion for misdemeanors is a diversion program. Um, I think going forward, you will probably see more of those type of programs. Um, our county does not have as many as other counties. Dallas and Tarrant have diversion programs for almost everything. We just don't have the resources here um, in the types of crimes that, some, that you might see in Dallas County that would justify that. Um, so for me, um, I don't, I, I hate to, to, to speak on criminal justice reform. It's up to our legislators to decide what they want to do. And then, then I need to enforce whatever they say. Um, so uh, if they decide to change something, then that's up to me to to look at it and going forward. Yeah, I, I, and that is that's definitely a true statement. So I wanted to give you the mic because, like I said earlier, yours is the elected office. So I wanted you to go ahead and speak to the people of Ellis County before I close out. Sure. Um, 
you know, I think our office right now has done a fantastic job. Um, we're trying cases. We're, we're working through the backlog. Um, we have a phenomenal staff. Um, my attorneys are accessible. Um, I don't know that I've ever said no to anybody um, if they want to meet with me um, and talk to me about something. Um, I'm accessible to the public, as you know, um, and I look forward to doing this for another four years. Um, I still have a lot of things that I want to accomplish. Um, I want to see this computer system up and going and functioning and making us more efficient and more effective. Um, I want to see some of these cases that we've got in the system right now. Um, I want to see those through um, to fruition. Um, we just recently brought back somebody into the county that had um, uh, had a charge and a warrant pending for over 10 years. Um, I want to see those cases through. Um, I'm not saying I want to be here 20 years, but um, I'm, I'm at least saying that at this point, I will be running for re-election. Well, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Miss Ann Montgomery is running for re-election as your uh, district attorney. And it sounds like um, not only does she care for her community, but she's getting stuff done for veterans. And for that, ma'am, I am so grateful. Um, and of course, I wanted to thank you for the access that you give. Every time I've asked you to come on, you've been more than willing. And I, I know how busy you are. So thank you, ma'am. No problem. Um, I wish you the best on, on when you run. I know that that's next year. And uh, hopefully I could have you on and kind of talk a little more of the politics of things and, and, and go into that. Yes, sir. So, thank you for having me, DV. I appreciate it. I, I really do appreciate you coming on. So yeah, this is, this was episode one. I have Mr. Uh, Marcus Brotherton, he is a New York Times bestselling author. He's going to be coming on the Ellis Talker Show to talk about um, some of the books that he's written. He's written on Gary Sinise. He's written on World War II veterans from Banner Brothers, Easy Company. And I mean, I this guy has written some cool stuff. So I truly hope that you guys will enjoy that show. And I have uh, the people running for elected office uh, here in this cycle. I'm going to be covering it for you. So I hope that you will watch and be informed. Uh, you guys take care. Again, Ms. Montgomery, thank you so much. No, thank you, DV. I, I really enjoyed it. Bye-bye.